Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. They are words that most of us who grew up in the Lutheran Church simply have engraved into our memory. They are words that have appeared in every English language hymnal our synod has ever produced. They're words that I've heard people with dementia repeat word for word because they have been repeated so many times before. I, a poor miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. Unfortunately, sometimes familiarity with words can lead us to speak those words without thinking. We all know how it can be. In the Lord's Prayer, we can speak about God's kingdom coming and his will being done without even, of taking, without even having taken a moment to think about what that would actually mean in our daily lives or in our communities for that to happen. We can spit out that we want God to deliver us from evil and lead us away from temptation in the very moment that our minds are planning when our next enjoyment of evil will be. Sadly, all too often, familiar words can be spit out, but they seem in those cases to only proceed from our mouth, but not from our hearts. So what about those familiar words of confession. I mean, I have no doubt that if you stop and think about it for a little bit, you are willing to admit that you have sinned. And I pray most of the time that you speak those words in worship. Indeed, they are sincere. You repent of your sins from your heart and your mind isn't wandering off to other things. But let me ask you a question. Do you really believe that you deserve temporal punishment from God each time you sin and because you sin in general? Do you believe there should be consequences right now in this world for every time you sin? Well, I think you know what your answer should be, but we must still ask if this is what we truly believe. Do I believe it? If I were continuing in a sin and God brought a temporal punishment upon me for that sin, would I receive it well? Would I simply say, well, I deserve that? Would you? What about eternal punishment? Do you really believe that if God judged you based on how you live your life every day, that you should not enter into heaven? Far from it. Again, I know you know the right answer in your minds, but is that what you seriously believe? If you were to come to Judgment Day and God were to cast you into hell, would you say, well, that's what I deserved? Or would you put up quite a fit and argue your case for why you should be let in? Well, every time we use those familiar words in confession we indeed are confessing that we deserve punishment both now and eternally for the sins that we do. We are saying that there is, if there is even one sin left in our life, if there is one ounce of sinfulness left in us, 
well, then we deserve immediate temporal consequences, not to mention the eternal ones that follow it. So is that what you truly believe? Let me ask the question in a different way that's inspired by what Jesus talked about in our gospel reading. When you hear about all the flooding that's happening in the middle part of our country, do you think, well, that's what sinners deserve? When you hear someone that someone has gotten sick and that their body is wasting away, do you think, well, that's what sinners deserve? If you were to hear about people being destroyed by a madman, would you think, well, that's what sinners deserve? This is what Jesus sure seems to say in our gospel reading. Unless you think the situation he is referring to is somehow of a lesser level, listen to what he is talking about. Jesus speaks about a group of Galilean people who have come down to sacrifice to the one true God in the temple. Pontius Pilate, who we know for his later dealings with Jesus directly, for whatever reason took exception to their act of worship and he sent his troops right into the courtyard of the temple to kill those Galileans. When that was all over, the scene was so messy that you couldn't tell where the blood of the human victims ended and where the blood of the sacrificial animals began. It was a horrific scene. People were going to worship God, and then all of a sudden they were slaughtered without any apparent cause. Jesus mentions another thing that had happened as well. He talks about a group of people who are gathered into a building only to have the support beams give way and the ceilings crush them underneath. And you know what Jesus says about these things? Well, essentially he says, well, that's what sinners deserve. Now here's where we have to be really careful. We are not saying that Jesus was so cold and callous to these things that he was not moved in the moment that they happened. And of course, we too are not to respond with indifference when tragedy befalls anyone. But that lesson of how we are to treat those who are dealing with tragedy is simply not the point of what Jesus is teaching in our text. Instead, he wanted to make it quite clear that sinners, they deserve temporal punishment from God all the time. The worst thing you could imagine happening in this world is what sinners deserve. It's what they should receive for their sins. We sort of think, I think, that everybody sort of deserves a normal life. However each person defines that. Oh, we'll give God a little leeway that he could take a few things away or add a few things to sort of keep us in check. But if that is all we are saying, we're not really lining up our beliefs with what the scriptures teach about sin. We show that we really don't believe that what we deserve is constant temporal punishment for our sins. We don't understand that every moment we're not dealing with a disaster or calamity, well, that's a sign that God is patient and gracious and merciful. Jesus was speaking in our text first and foremost to the religious leaders of his day. 
He was warning them that if they did not repent of their sins, and in particular, the sin of rejecting him, well, then they would suffer in horrific ways. And Jesus here was not just using hyperbole. He wasn't just ramping things up in order to try to get them excited. No, he was speaking truth. And in fact, those who did not repent, they did meet a horrid end, as history records. Some about 40 years later in 70 AD, the Romans did come in, and they did destroy Jerusalem and its inhabitants. Their blood did lie on the ground. Their buildings that they trusted in did collapse upon them. They suffered the temporal consequences for their sin because they would not repent. God let those evil Romans do exactly what they wanted to do. Those fruitless fig trees that Jesus spoke about, they were in fact cut down. You and I should not be so ignorant or arrogant to think that the same could not happen to us. After all, Paul in our epistle reading tells us that all these such things, when God allows punishment to come upon sinners, should remind us of the truth of God's justice. He says they're written down for us in order that we might be warned and that we might not desire evil like those who have gone before us and were destroyed. Ezekiel warns that if we think that the death promised to those who do not repent will not come upon us, well, then we are fools. The point of our reading for today and the point of this sermon is not that we are supposed to make some immediate connection in the world between particular sins and the disasters that befall humanity in different ways. In fact, the scriptures warn against doing just that. Jesus himself in our text makes clear that those Galileans who were murdered in the temple courtyard, well, they were no worse sinners than anyone else. But the point is this to remind us that all of us should suffer similar fates because of our rebellion against God, because of the sins we commit. We should not leave thinking that we can just go on doing whatever we want and deserve from God a rather normal life with everything being pretty good. Instead, we should know, deep down, how awful what we deserve is Or perhaps then we would do what Jesus wanted the Pharisees to do. We would do what Jesus wanted the Sadducees to do. We would do what he wanted each and every person that he came into contact to do. We would repent. We would admit our own sinfulness. We would turn from it. We would seek God's grace and his mercy as the only hope that we have. For there is good news in our reading, and it's this. God has not brought upon you what you deserve. He has exercised patience, just like he did with that fig tree in the parable. He has given mercy rather than simply acting immediately to give you what you deserve. Yes, God has not given you what you deserve precisely because he is patient and loving. He doesn't want anyone to have to suffer the temporal or eternal consequences of their sins. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. So that Jesus would suffer those things instead of you suffering them. He is loving enough 
to call you away from your sin and to promise you forgiveness and nourishment from him as you do. He promises to make you fruitful through his care. Yes, though we deserve temporal and eternal punishment, thanks be to God he doesn't give it to us because of Christ. No, indeed, he gives us something far greater. Thanks be to God, if we will repent, we will not get what we deserve. We'll get Christ instead. Christ will be delivered to us. His life will be reckoned as your life, his righteousness as your righteousness. And therefore, you'll get blessings from God in this world and eternal life in the end. Now, of course, if you don't want those things, blessings now or eternal life in the end, well, then you don't need to repent. God will do what he threatened to do back in Ezekiel. He'll simply judge you strictly according to your own ways. But if that happens, well, then you will learn exactly what you deserve. But if instead you understand what you deserve and you tremble at the thought of receiving it, well, then repent and rest in Jesus. Rest in Jesus who is the sole way to God, who is the sacrifice for your sins, who is the hope that we sinners have. Trust in him and he'll give you salvation from all of those things you are fearful of. That's his promise to you. Amen. <laughs>